This podcast is brought to you courtesy of Renault, the world's most exclusive sunglasses. The spring 2021 portfolio of Renault sunglasses is now available at renault.co.uk and at select boutiques around the globe. You are listening to Paolo Di Marco Podcast, one of the world's leading luxury magazines. Today on the podcast, we are interviewing Susan Bennett, the original voice of Siri. <laughs> I thought you were welcoming your audience, but I'm welcome too, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, how did you get discovered as Siri? You know, that remains a mystery. Apple has never really disclosed how they chose their voices. Um, I just know that I had done a lot of IVR recordings, which are interactive voice response. They're the recordings that produce all of those voices, like Siri, Alexa, Cortana, Google, and also GPS voices. So I had done a lot of those recordings. And in the digital age, a lot of us voice actors are auditioning without really knowing it. And apparently that's what happened in this case. Uh, my voice must have been chosen out of a bunch of uh, IVR voices and I don't know who chose it, when or how. <laughs> Is that what happens with a lot of your work? Do you just get found that way or done for interviews? You're doing a show for an anime or advertising? Mostly, uh, most voiceover work is done by individual audition, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I will get audition sent to me by my agent. And, um, and so, yeah, voice actors are just constantly auditioning. And especially now in the digital age with so many people, including amateurs, um, getting into the game because of technology, access through technology, um, there is so much competition. And uh, so you're really having to do a lot of auditions all the time just to get work. Yeah, I really believe that as well, because everybody's do, um, being able to work from home now as well, too. So right. if they have their home set up, they can really just do everything from home. Exactly. With the current epidemic of COVID-19, what would Siri say in response? And how would you lift people up? Siri, of course, is uh, very much about the voice. And so Siri would like to say, just talk to me. Talk, 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 and I will talk back. <laughs> <laughs> when you were going in for the um, voice acting, was there a certain persona that you were bringing forth with, um, with putting on the voice of Siri? Well, as I said, uh, I didn't know that I was going to be Siri. Um, Siri came out of these IVR recordings. Now, the interesting thing about IVR recordings, they're very different from everything else because they are created just to get all of the sound combinations in the language. So all of the phrases and sentences that all of us IVR you know, uh, voice actors had to read made absolutely no sense because they were just created for sound. Phrases such as cow hoist in the tub hut today, say fossa, ask fossa, ask fossi, militia oi hallucinate, buckra okra ooze. So, uh, the first recordings I did were four hours a day, five days a week, the month of July in 2005. And it was very, very tedious work because of this type of recording. Everything had to be read exactly the same because after the recordings were done, technicians and computers went into the recordings and extracted sounds, reformed these sounds into new phrases and sentences. And these are what became on our devices 
the answers of all the virtual assistants. So it's an amazing process called concatenation. And it's uh, and this is probably getting a little too technical. None of us who became Siri or anyone else uh, at the very beginning, we didn't really know that because when we were doing these recordings, we thought they were just generic phone uh, system recordings. And so the idea that in 2005, what might have been phone messaging suddenly became this personal assistant. That was the big surprise for for the, the voice actors. Not so much for the people working on AI and all of that, all of the techie people <laughs> knew what was coming, but uh, we did not. What did your friends and family say when they first heard your voice? Oh, they were excited about it. They thought it was really cool. Since you finished the role of Siri, what are you doing today? And how has life changed for you? Well, I am actually very grateful to good old Siri because she actually sort of created a new career for me rather late in my career life, actually. Um, and that is doing Siri appearances and speaker events. And so up until COVID, <laughs> you know, I was really having a great time traveling actually all over the world. I've, I've worked in Croatia and Australia and uh, all over the United States, uh, talking to people and telling the story of Siri. So that has been really, really fun. It was something very new uh, for me, something I really had never anticipated doing, but it's something that I enjoy doing a lot and love to do. So any of your listeners who have a company that you need a, a speaker, you know, book Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Siri is what you've been known for. However, before the popularization of Siri, you were a musician where you sang for the popular band called Conglomerate. Tell us more about that. Well, I wouldn't say popular band Conglomerate. It was the very first band that I was in in college. So this is many, many, many years ago. I have since been in several other bands. And I also toured um, with Burt Bacharach back in the early 80s. And I actually was with Roy Orbison for two years and traveled the world with, with his band. So uh, I've had some great experiences as a, a singer. And my husband uh, of 24 years, uh, he and I had a band together for many years called Interactive. And we did a lot of uh, private party events and that sort of thing, conferences and, and, uh, and you know, all sorts of private events. And so I am a singer and a keyboard player and a keyboard bass player. My husband is a fabulous guitarist, and so uh, we did that for a very long time. We still do it for fun, and because of COVID, of course, we haven't been able to play live very much in the past year, but hopefully everybody's going to go get vaccinated, and hopefully we'll have a you know return to normalcy sometime this year. What was it like touring around in the 80s? Well, it was a lot of fun. Um the first tour that I did was basically just a tour of the South. So that involved riding a bus, <laughs> which is never all that much fun, but it was a good group of people. And then when I toured with uh, Roy Orbison, most of his band uh, came from Nashville. And so they would all get on a bus in Nashville and go to whatever destination. But because I lived in Atlanta, I got to fly everywhere. So I was like the, the band brat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's lucky. Oh, oh yeah, it's very lucky and it was a lot of fun. Um, we really did go everywhere and, and do all sorts of uh, amazing concerts from you know all around the world. So it was in an, an incredible experience. Mm, I, I wonder which type of 
situation would be better? Like being in a band nowadays and traveling around or being in a band in like previously in history, like the 60s, 70s and 80s, just because I, I really think they have so much more freedom back then, especially with the music industry. Hmm. That's really hard to say because I, I'm, I'm not really in a position to compare since I, I really am not, you know, uh, doing that sort of thing anymore. So I really can't, I really can't say, I know the music has certainly changed a lot. Um, but I can't really, I can't really comment on, on the touring situation. Touring, I think is touring, you know, period. And <laughs> it's, it's hard work and it gets tedious and very tiresome. And you really get tired of the, of the sight of hotel rooms. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite, uh, popular song that's currently out? Wow. Um, not really. I'll have to say that I'm sort of stuck in, um, in classic rock land. And so now that you can sort of choose whatever music you listen to, I'm afraid that that I'm kind of stuck there. I don't really hear too many um, current things. I guess, I, you know, I like the Foo Fighters, um, but I can't really think of a particular song that just really knocks me out right at this at this moment. Seeing that you're really into music, do you own a record player or do, do. do you just stream the music? I oh, do. yeah. I okay. have a record player. I also have a cassette player. I also, my, my husband has a, an audio studio, so recording studio. So he has all kinds of tape machines and of course all the digital stuff too. So uh, yeah, we really run the gamut. Um, those of us that used to record it in, you know, in the years of, of tape um, really like the sound of, of, um, of the uh, analog, you know, recording systems rather than digital. Digital sounds just a little too perfect and is a little bit too um, edgy. And if you listen to analog recordings, they tend to sound warmer. And so what my husband does a lot when he records many times, he will um, maybe record digitally and end up with a digital project, but he'll run it through the analog machine <laughs> to warm it up. If you do it that way, it's really putting the soul into the music. Like when there's that human error and that you know a little bit of difference, that's what makes the song the song. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you listen to different, different, you know, you listen to the Rolling Stones, say some, some of their early recordings. And sometimes you listen to whoever's playing the tambourine, it was probably Mick. And then, you know, it's not necessarily right there with Charlie Watts every time, but some, <laughs> somehow it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like yeah. The human error thing, I think is kind of, has a little bit of magic associated with it. And especially if the musicians wear any jewelry, you can actually like hear it if you're, if you're using really good headphones and it's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> we would just be taken out if it were to be yeah, digital. Um, yeah. When it comes to training your voice and having proper dictation, who helped you? Who helped me? Well, let's see. Uh, I've always been interested in words and the English language. And I've always been very conscious of speaking and, are, and being articulate because when I was young, I lived in New England. And there's a, a very, very, very strong accent there. Um, it differs a little bit from state to state. But fortunately for me, when I was a kid, my parents moved to upstate New York and upstate New York has a very, a pretty neutral accent. Uh, you don't have the, you know, the, the, the very distinctive vowel sounds that you have in, uh, in the, in the New England accent. And so that was very fortunate for me that I spent junior high and high school getting rid of my New England accent so that when ultimately I did end up. Uh, being a voice actor, I 
I had a pretty neutral accent, which was very helpful. A lot of people say that I don't really sound Australian. I sound more neutral as well. Yes, I can hear a tiny bit of an accent, but I wasn't sure if it was Australian or if it was uh, British somewhere. So, but it's very, very slight. I'm a dual citizen, so I used to live in the UK too. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. Well, then you're a little bit of a mix. Uh, I had a yes, yes. Australia. <laughs> uh, my husband and I went to Sydney last uh, fall. No, it wasn't this past fall, a year ago. Oh, 2019. <laughs> I forget. 2020 <laughs> was kind of a wash. I forget. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone just, it's like a suppressed memory. Everybody just put 2020 yeah, as like exactly. that just never existed. <laughs> exactly. It's just gone. It's just a big, big giant hole. <laughs> but, um, yeah, mm -hmm. we went to Australia in the fall of 2019 and we were in Sydney for a week and I was doing some work with uh, a TV station there and with a, with a company. And uh, it was really, it was a lot of fun. And I, I really love Australia. I had visited Australia in, it was either 82 or 83 with um, uh, Roy Orbison. And we were stationed in Coolangatta which is sort of like the tropics of Australia. Mm. And then- Yeah, that's actually very close to where I'm living oh, currently. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was wonderful. And we we just had a fabulous time. Australians are, are great people. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, in your opinion, what is the most unusual question that you have been asked as Siri that you know of? Well, you know, I don't really know because, of course, I don't hear the questions that people ask Siri. Um, but I think probably the one that's that's most often um, referenced is when you ask where to hide a dead body. You know, and Siri is very happy to tell you where. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've never actually asked that question, but I'm going to ask Siri yeah, right after this. <laughs> the, the dark Siri. The dark Siri. Yeah. <laughs> the dark, the dark series. series. Yeah. If there was an option just to have that, I would have that. Yeah, yeah, that would, that would be worth a lot of laughs, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, how is um how is twenty twenty for you? Well, the first couple of months, I thought twenty twenty was going to be an incredible year. I think I had. Oh, three or four Siri events in the United States. And I had a big recording project and I thought, wow, 2020 is going to be a great year. And then March hit <laughs> and COVID and suddenly, you know, everything stopped. So um, I, I was fortunate enough to continue to do some voiceover work during the year. But um, the types of things that I was really trying to concentrate on at the time uh, really sort of went away until people finally got the gist of doing, you know, virtual Siri events. And, uh, but I still look forward to the time when, when all of that can be opened up and we can do live performances again, because there's, you know, when you're doing virtual work and you have, you know, you've written some humor into your script and that sort of thing, and, and you have no way of reading or hearing the audience. And so you sort of have to guess and hope that they're laughing. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not like a bad yeah, room or anything. <laughs> absolutely no response whatsoever. There's just this big, shh, shh, big yeah, you just you just start seeing all the numbers leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all the people just going, it was like, oh, damn, yeah, tough crowd. Yeah, it's weird. You just sort of have to ask, you know, sort of, yeah, 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 yeah it's interesting. What would you tell future voice actors? Don't quit your day job. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, as I said before, there are so many people auditioning. 
And I asked my agent one time, I said, you know, do you do a lot of auditions? I'm not really getting too many of them. And he said, well, I asked a casting agent about that. And he said, you're not going to really want to hear the answer. And I said, yes, I do. The casting director said, well, the way we choose the voice is kind of at random. So in other words, what they're saying is that they, they get so many auditions, they don't even hear all of them. I have a friend who's uh, um, works with a, a, an ad agency as well as being a voice actor. And he said that they had one just very small advertising spot for a bank in Alabama, some little local place. And it was going to run for four weeks or something. It paid $150. And he said, uh, would you like to guess how many people auditioned for this? And I thought, oh, I don't know, 100. He goes, try 300. So, you know, it's it's pretty impossible for the client, you know, or even the agent to hear all of those auditions. And so I don't know really how to advise people now. All I can think of is that I guess through, you know, social media and that sort of thing, try to get your name out there and uh, get yourself heard on YouTube and and, you know, whatever other, you know, media that you want to use and and try to make a name for yourself that way, because otherwise, you know, you spend your life auditioning and it's uh, there's just no guarantee that you're ever going to get a job, you know, back 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 in the day um, when, you know, the agents used to be very um, significant in whether you got your job or not. And I was I was uh, very happy to be uh, exclusively represented by Atlanta Models and Talent. And so when the client was looking for a voice, they wouldn't just go and listen to, you know, millions of voices. They would call the agent and say, well, here's what I'm looking for. The agent would come up with 10 or 15 people to do auditions. And then you would have a really good chance of winning an audition against what, nine or, you know, 14 other people. And now you're auditioning against hundreds. And so it's uh I don't know. It's a tricky game. So I'm, I'm just guessing that the way that you would try to get yourself heard is to get out there somehow, put yourself out there somehow and get, get people's mm. attention. Yeah. Do you think that the Internet has kind of like ruined it or do you think that it's enhanced it, seeing that there's like you, you're being able to get more opportunity because you can send more work out? But in a way, so many people are doing the same thing that you are that it kind of like takes the individuality that's exactly the it the you can it's so much easier to get yourself out there and it's much easier and much less expensive to have your own studio to have as a voice actor to have your own studio and a good quality studio you just need a smartphone some sort of little mixer a good microphone and a closet now when i put together my um studio years ago it cost me thousands of dollars you know, to build a studio that was soundproof and with a good microphone and all this that stuff, you don't need that anymore. Consequently, because it's so easy to have your own studio and it's so easy to access auditions by joining places like Voice123 or Voices.com or something like that. So the opportunity is there. You can do it. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get any work. Yes, you might be on the roster of all these voices, but you still have to figure out a way to get heard. And so that's where I really don't know how to help because I, you know, I entered the business so, so long ago. It was a very, very different situation. Is there a difference between 
with voice acting with anime advertising or just doing traditional voice over work yes I, I think it's very different and there are people that are want have wonderful voices and and say it could be great news anchors or something like that but couldn't begin to sound like that you know or sound any, any <laughs> different way and then you know a lot of the people that just have wacky voices of course would never be able to you know, uh, do an anchor spot or something. But that's the nice thing about voiceover is there are so many different aspects to it. There are radio and TV commercials, there's gaming, animation, there's e-learning, all sorts of narrations for documentaries and films, uh, medical, you know, technology uh, readings. And, you know, it, it's it's really wide open. What's been your favorite job so far? Oh, gosh, I guess that would have to be... Um, what was um, the singing chicken for, um, yes, for Zeneca Agricultural Products. <laughs> oh, my yeah, gosh. That's, that's the yeah. best. <laughs> what's, the, what's, the, um, what's the mindset that you go into? Because... Um, I've spoken to some of my friends are trying to get into the acting game and uh, they say that when they're trying to be this persona, this character, they need to have a different state of mind. So what's the different state of mind when you become the, the hen or the chicken? Well, I think for me, it's kind of an instinctive thing. Uh, you know, they want you to sound like a chicken. So you try to, you know, imagine how a chicken would sing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I honestly it was love method it. acting. I really just got into the head of the chicken and <laughs> <laughs> did a full on oh, meditation. Yeah. I, yeah, I am the chicken. <laughs> I, I, what, what was it like being on the show? Um, Star versus the forces of evil. Well, you know, some of those things that where they used my voice. I didn't necessarily participate. They did the same technology as they did with Siri and Alexa and all these others. They went into those IVR recordings and used my voice. So in other words, they bought my voice from Nuance, which is the biggest IVR company in the world. And I had nothing to do with it. Fortunately, thanks to my agent and thanks to all my friends, I say, if you ever hear my voice anywhere, let me know and I'm gonna get my agent on it. Um, because, you know, a lot of times that's that's really a downside of doing this type of work. And I'd have to say that those of us were who were the original Siri voices did not really have an understanding of exactly what we were doing and how I think it's culturally a, a difficult thing now because because of technology, you don't really know what you're reading, what you're seeing or what you're hearing, because all of that can be manipulated. And the same thing is they can just kind of grab your voice from all these different places and manipulate it. So I don't know how we're going to figure out a way to kind of restrict, you know, that theft. <laughs> um, but I think it is a problem. Um, and so it is mm. it is very disheartening, to, you know, to, to hear myself on some big, huge thing and going, oh, yeesh, you know, well, maybe I can get paid for that. I'll see if I can get my Asian <laughs> on it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So yeah. with the, so, oh wow, yeah. that's incredible. That's crazy. So it's very interesting because AI is becoming much more intelligent. These major companies can kind of harvest our identity, mm -hmm. and so it's it's going to be really interesting to see. Because have you seen the um like the face swap videos? Oh dear, no, no. 
that, that creeps yeah. me out so uh, much. I can't. Yeah, 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 it's 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 so horrific and and unsettling because really anybody can just process a video and then put your face on it and then yeah. have your voice yeah. on there, and then you can be saying that's or doing exactly anything. right. And that's what I was saying that that you can't really trust anything you see, hear, or read, which makes life in this uh, th this particular point of time really complicated and it makes it very very difficult to know what's really going on in the world i mean you know it's we miss we miss those news sources that were nothing but strictly strictly facts and and not opinion i mean news news sources should not be opinion oriented they should be fact oriented so I don't know how we're going to come back from all of this, but it's uh, yeah, I think that's one of the conditions of AI and 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 just uh, and just gathering all this information on individuals to find out what we might want to buy, you know. So between AI and the fact that we're so obsessed with money, I don't know. I think I think we've got to do some reorganization of our thinking. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to say to try to like help society benefit itself? Oh dear, well. You know, that's all oh, that's would take me all day. <laughs> I guess the basic <laughs> thing I can say is that, you know, just try to be true to yourself and and really, you know, do be honest and do be kind. You know, I mean, in the long run, I do believe in karma. And I think that if you, you know, if you're a bad person, that ultimately you will. Of course, we'll wait and see if that really does work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, more of a time game. Yes. So, I don't know. I just, um, you know, just do your very best and just be the best person you can be is what I would say. Is there anything currently that you're working on? Nothing specific at this point in time. I've got something that's in the works that I can't really talk about. But, uh, yeah, trying to get some more things happening in good old 2021. It's, it's you know, I, I didn't get that. I'm sure that we were all disappointed that, you know, on New Year's Day 2021, all of a sudden everything just didn't turn okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dragging itself into the next you know into the next uh year but anyway um it is 4 31 so i probably need to go do you have one last question no problem would you be able to just say that <laughs> thank you very okay. much alan for having me on the show oh, in the, in the, the chicken oh voice. wow talking chicken thank you very much alan <laughs> That's made my day. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed the conversation.